I'm Jillian Best-Adler, and I help people think differently about the role of parenting in creating social change. In this episode, I'm continuing my examination of the ways that white supremacy culture shows up in my own parenting and the ways that I'm fighting against it. If you haven't already listened to the intro episode titled Dismantling White Supremacy Culture in My Parenting Behaviors and Beliefs, then I recommend doing that first. In her article, White Supremacy Culture Still Here, Okun has a lengthy description of perfectionism as a characteristic of white supremacy culture. But here's the piece that most resonated with me as it relates to parenting. Perfectionism is, quote, often internally felt, in other words, the perfectionist fails to appreciate their own good work, more often pointing out their faults or failures, focusing on inadequacies and mistakes rather than learning from them. The person works with a harsh and constant inner critic that has internalized the standards set by someone else. Close quote. I don't think that I know any parent who hasn't been unfairly hard on themselves for not being able to be perfect. This is actually something that I've been working pretty actively against for years, and it still manages to rear its head every once in a while because the desire to appear perfect is so deeply instilled in me. When I have to run out of the house to be somewhere on time and I look sloppy or my kids are dirty, I'm worried about not looking like I have my act together. When I snap at my kids, when I wish I could have stayed calm and sweet, I'm worried that I'm not a good parent. When my kids struggle with a tantrum in public, I'm worried that people will judge me as too permissive or my kids as out of control. But ultimately, being able to shake those worries and accept myself, my kids, and the state of our mismatched outfits allows me space to actually feel the joy that I'm seeking. When I am comfortable with who we are and how we are, and accept that others may have opinions about us, but they don't impact us, I feel happier, and my kids do too. It frees up so much mental space. Literally so much mental space unlocked. Let's be real though, sometimes other people's opinions do impact us, and that can consume a lot of mental space. Sometimes we have friends or family members who think that we should be parenting or presenting differently, and sometimes they express that to us, triggering shame, embarrassment, and a desire to uphold cultural customs. Think, kids should be well-behaved, women should be well-groomed, etc. In this case, when these expectations harm us and no longer serve us, it is helpful to practice good boundaries. Prentice Hemphill defines boundaries as the distance at which I love you and myself at the same time. You could put some physical space between yourself and the people who make you feel bad about your parenting. And if that isn't possible, you can practice this mantra. That's their opinion, but it doesn't really have anything to do with me. Okun also describes perfectionism as, quote, linked to the characteristic of one right way, where the demand for perfection assumes that we know what perfection is, while others are doing it wrong or falling short, close quote. And I'm sure that you can already see where this shows up in parenting. The so-called mommy wars seek to pit parent against parent for doing things the wrong way. I am very, very lucky that I have very little experience with people putting their one right way on me. And part of that is because I have quickly exited spaces where I saw that mindset present. 
If I joined a Facebook group to seek support and I saw evidence in posts or comments that there was not a general acceptance for the wide variety of ways to parent, then I left. If I made a connection with the person only to later hear them judge someone else for their parenting, I didn't seek to further that connection. It is unfair to yourself to choose relationships and environments where the vibe isn't accepting of diversity. And if you find yourself in one of those conversations where someone is telling you that the way you've done something or are doing something is wrong and their way is the one right way, I invite you to say, well, it's working for us, so it can't be too wrong. Because here's the secret. There is no one right way in parenting. And anyone who is trying to tell you that there is only one right right way is either A, trying to sell you something, or B, trying to make themselves feel better because of the fear that they feel. Which leads us to the other characteristic of white supremacy culture that weasels its way into parenting. Fear. Okun says, quote, White supremacy culture's number one strategy is to make us afraid. We fear not being good enough, not being enough, not being lovable. When we are afraid, whatever the reason, especially when we don't have the skills to hold that fear, we are easily manipulated by any false yet powerful sense of safety. Close quote. And what helps us feel a sense of safety? Doing things the one right, right way, of course, being perfect and buying the things that help us get there. This is where it comes directly back to capitalism. Being a parent can be a very scary concept. We're responsible for someone else's life, like really, really responsible for it. And it isn't a random life. It is the life of the person we love the most in the world. The fear is that if we screw it up, we're literally putting our kid in danger or ruining them. So we're incredibly vulnerable to marketing. Corporations can make so much bank by peddling products that make parenting safer, easier, or more attractive. Of course, some products do exactly that. I don't think they're all lying, but they are using our fear and overwhelm to market to us in our weakest moments. Let's look at a toy as an example. They're going to tell you that this toy, this one that lights up and sings songs and is brightly colored and has the alphabet all over it, will make your child smart. Well, don't we want our kid to be successful? Don't we want them to be preschool ready so that they can be kindergarten ready, so that they will do well in school, so that they can go to the good college, so they can get a good job, so that they can make enough money, so that they can retire, so that they can die wealthy? Isn't that what we want? Shake it off, baby. We can't actually control most of that. Controlling our children's long-term outcomes is an illusion. There are so many variables involved in someone's life that the toys we buy when they are babies have little value on the outcome. I argue that we have to embrace the fear of uncertainty to overcome it. Our child's safety and well-being and long-term success are uncertain. Letting fear control your thoughts and actions blocks your ability to find joy and gratitude in this moment. It leaves you seeking more, better, instead of being here, now. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be thinking about the future, just that you shouldn't look at the future with fear, but with openness. Related to perfectionism, one right way, and fear is the basic question of, am I a good parent? 
I've encountered so many parents, including myself at times, as I've said, and I've been working through this for years, who are concerned that they aren't a good parent because they aren't always perfect. Perfection is a myth and doesn't exist. Seeking perfection is a tool of white supremacy. D.W. Winnicott, a pediatrician and psychoanalyst who studied children and parents, described the value of the good enough parent. He explained that it isn't important for parents to always be able to meet their children's needs flawlessly. In fact, that could be harmful because it doesn't provide the children with the chance to understand the nuances of the human experience, such as frustration, disappointment, and trying to communicate your needs in a different way. When we are good enough, we make good faith efforts to meet our children's needs. When we are good enough, our children get a wider range of human experiences at a younger age when they are able to use their highly flexible brain to make sense of it and shape their understanding of the complexities of human relationships and the world. In other words, trying to be a good parent sets up a false binary that if you're not good, you must be bad. But the middle ground here is actually highly desirable. We could just be trying to be good enough. I'm a good enough parent. I'm patient with my children up until 8 p.m., when I'm likely to fully lose my mind at that last-minute request for a bedtime snack. I'm attentive to my kids' hygiene, but not always proactive about it. Dirty socks are worn, baths are skipped, laundry piles up. I'm involved in the school community, but I'm not overextending myself to volunteer when it doesn't work easily with my schedule. I have high expectations for my children's behavior, but I sometimes ignore problematic behavior because I'm just too tired to intervene in that particular moment. I'm good enough. My kids are great. And so are you. And so are yours. Refusing to push yourself harder towards perfection, letting go of the one right way, and embracing fear instead of being guided by it are all ways to start to shed the influences of white supremacy culture from our parenting practices. In the long run, your children will be better able to accept their mistakes and their flaws because they saw you accept yours. They'll be more flexible with how they accomplish their goals and support others in accomplishing theirs, because they saw you try a variety of ways to meet your goals. They'll be braver and try more things, because they saw fear as a part of life and not something to be avoided, because they saw you hold all of life at once, even the scary parts. They'll accept that they are human, no better, no worse than anyone else, because they saw you grasp your own humanity and theirs and others'.